Long hours, crazy deadlines, and intense pressure. All part of the job for entrepreneurs, but is that sustainable? In this episode, we talk about burnout. What causes burnout? What does it feel like to burn out? And how can we avoid burnout? This is Hit Reply, episode three. Hey, and welcome to Hit Reply, the podcast that gives you an inside view on what it's like to start a startup. I'm Fred. And I'm Mike. And in this episode, we're talking about burnout. So, Mike, how's it going? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I heard uh, you started, or you joined a mastermind this week, is that right? Yep. So, we had our first our first chat on Monday. Nice. It was really good. Yeah. Good group of people. Interesting. We're still trying to figure things out. Uh, how to do a mastermind and yep. and things like that, and maybe that's a an idea for a, a later episode if it replies talking about how to start masterminds and what to do. Yeah, but it's kind of a, a a learning process for all of us. Definitely. So it's yeah, it's interesting. We we both like the whole agile thing. You you more than me, I think. You're definitely into the process of agile, so you'll yeah. kick it off um, with your MVP of masterminds, and you'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. So in today's episode, we want to talk about burnout. Yeah. And Mike, this is one that is close to your experience right now. Yeah. Um, you're pretty tired from what I can tell. Um, and you've had an interesting few months. So do you want to fill us in on what's been going on? Yeah, I think um, I'm thinking I'm, I'm experiencing a, uh, a certain degree of burnout right now. Yeah. It's been quite a, an intense time at work, my day job. So what's been going on at work? There was a legislation change. Right. That sounds that fun. was coming into effect and we had to change one of our systems to make sure that it was still legal, that we the documents that we were producing matched what the law said that we had to produce. That meant that we had both a fixed scope, so what the project had to deliver, and a fixed timeline. Mm. Yes, yeah, so there's kind of the, the, the famous idea of you have time, quality and scope and you can't have all of them right if let's say the business people want a fixed deadline mm-hmm. then the people that are doing the work should be able to change the scope of it what is delivered because you never want to affect quality you always want to produce the highest quality code that you can do right so scope should be the one that moves it's kind of the idea of this triangle mm. um, and, it, and it changes shape based on where you pull the other ones to. Yeah. So if you want to increase scope, then again, you want quality to stay the same. So that means the deadline has to move. Mm-hmm. When you have both are fixed, the only thing that can move is quality. Right. And for the project that we did, the quality suffered. Yeah. We took on a considerable amount of technical debt. Uh-huh. Just in case anyone's unfamiliar with that term, technical debt is basically when you do bad things, things that are not accepted as... It's not quality, like we, uh, like I'm talking about code predominantly yeah. here, but yeah. it's not just a coding thing. So it's when you're doing kind of bad practices, but you do them in the short term. And taking on technical debt, like taking on kind of like financial debt, yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing, Yeah, but it's something that you have to make sure you keep under control. It's like so, short-term shortcuts. Yeah. So, yeah, all all of that basically led to a lot of pressure yeah, and a lot of work that needed to be done. And that's fine. Um, I find that I can deal with 
small amounts of stress. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really seem to be a problem for me. And, you know, even if it's kind of like a couple of weeks. Every every so often, you know, we'll have a couple of weeks of work that get pretty intense mm-hmm. where we're finishing off a long project or something like that. And it gets it gets stressful at that point or um, the more kind of like emergency situations where systems go down. I'm okay in those situations, but I apparently, <laughs> this is kind of the first time I've I've experienced this, but it's where this was over several months. It's, it's interesting because... I remember a book you recommended to me. You probably recommended it to me ages ago, mm. but it was uh, the Chimp Paradox. Is that right? Yep. Um, Steve, Professor Steve, Steve Peters. Peters. Yeah. yeah. And just to just speaking there, that came to mind because I think short-term stress is something that does kind of fire off that inner chimp in you. Not yeah. In, not in definitely. you, sorry, but in general, like when stress comes. Yeah. It that's where it kind of targets. Yeah. It's like the emotional side and the fight or flight stuff yeah definitely and so it's interesting because you're quite well versed in what that looks like and you're, you're you're quite good in terms of staying in control of that so i guess the short term you can deal with that but when it comes to long term it's different because it's not just about emotions it's about energy levels yeah and more goes into it so i guess that's where things have really been hitting home for you yeah definitely it's kind of like after like a month you start feeling it Right. And motivation levels start dropping and it starts kind of affecting, I guess, your health. So I get to a point where my motivation levels really start dropping. And because of that, I start eating worse, which is impressive for me because I don't eat great as it is. Yeah, it's a good effort. So, you know, I start like getting more fast food and things like that because I really can't be bothered to cook because I'm too tired to cook. And it's kind of like a, a catch-22. It's a downward spiral. Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, I'm too tired to cook and I can't be bothered to cook, so I won't cook myself a decent meal. Right. So I'll go and have fast food, which then won't make me feel any better, Yeah. which then makes it worse. Yeah. So then I go and get more fast food. Yeah. Now that makes sense. I think it definitely spirals downwards. That mm. You can definitely find one thing leads to another and then you end up unless you can somehow jump in and stop that cycle, it it doesn't end very well. And I think that's where we often hear the stories and the famous stories of burnout, which are almost like car crash endings where it all falls apart because you've been going so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I think looking at it from kind of that point of view, I've managed to come out of this quite well. Uh, we managed to, to deliver the project and that, relieved a lot of the pressure but it has been quite interesting to me so even though i don't think i burnt out in that spectacular fashion that you kind of hear about yeah it's still interesting to me how slow the recovery process is so we're now about maybe six weeks after the deadline and i'm still feeling the effects of it so in this episode we want to mix it up a little bit and we have spoken to a couple of people that we know because we want to bring in some outside perspective on what burnout's like and how we can avoid it. So one of the guys we've spoken to is Martin Stella. He's a recovering monk who became a business coach. He's an author, artist, singer, and perpetually on a mission to meet inspiring and ambitious people. And Martin runs a business coaching business for creatives. Yeah, and we also spoke to Helen Tran. She describes herself as a designer, a hobbyist writer, a dormant entrepreneur, and an aspiring vagabond. And she's the design lead at Shopify. So we spoke to Martin and Helen about the best ways to avoid burnout. 
Yeah. They've both experienced it themselves and they've now kind of got some tips and tricks and techniques that they now use to make sure they don't burn out again. An interesting point that came up when chatting to Helen was about the importance of setting boundaries. I'm actually, I don't know, it's just possible that I have gotten more ambitious since I've gotten older. And I think I've just gotten better at balancing things. And, uh, you know, over the course of my life, I've just put in some boundaries and some rules that I decided to upkeep regardless. So it was interesting that Helen mentioned the importance of boundaries. Martin had similar advice in terms of the importance of his daily schedule. So the first section of the day belongs to Martin, is for taking care of Martin, which means I, I get up and wash my face and I meditate. Yeah, and I think that having that kind of scheduled time is quite an important thing yeah. and is certainly something that I'm trying to get into more of. Mm. So having more of a routine that involves more me time. Yeah. I guess mic time, if you put it in, in the way that Martin phrases it. For me, I've been trying to do that a bit in the mornings trying to get that morning routine going again. Mm. I think it's important to not try and do too much too early. So I've set myself the goal of 10 minutes of meditation to start off my day. And that's achievable to to wake up, to get out of bed. I sit on the floor. I just like, I don't want to sit in my bed. So I just go and sit on the floor in the corner of my room and I spend 10 minutes just meditating, thinking about whatever comes to mind. Mm. And I found that really useful. It sets me up for the day and, and gets me off on the right foot. Yeah, and Helen also mentioned about her schedule and how she takes time off for herself as well. Sundays are do-nothing days for me. I'm not religious, but I, I was raised religious. So Sundays, we just kind of sat together and just did a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> we did a whole lot of reading. Um, so I schedule Sundays to do nothing. Another point that came up, which I, I thought was quite interesting, and maybe something that I'm, I'm going to try myself, was the notion of not being contactable kind of going off the grid, which was something that Helen mentioned. I just started leaving my phone outside my bedroom. My phone or access to me shuts off at around 8 p.m. and you won't be able to talk to me until I'm done my gym, which is around 7.30 in the morning. So for about 12 hours, I'm off. I really like this one. I think it's important to disconnect sometimes. And I am nowhere near as extreme as this, but I make sure that my bed is not next to my phone when I sleep. Um, it always used to be. I used to sleep with my phone next to me and it's the last thing I do before I go to bed is to check Twitter and stuff. And now most of the time I don't do that. I quite enjoy it, so sometimes I will just check Twitter and stuff. But generally I don't finish the day with Twitter and now I never have my phone next to my bed. It's always beyond arm distance. And that's, there's a twofold benefit for me there. One is that I don't get distracted during sleep. Um, I can't just go and grab my phone easily. I have to get out of bed to do it. And it means that when my alarm does go off in the morning, I have to get up. I have to get up and turn my alarm off, which means that I'm starting my day on the right foot. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep my phone on me, but I have it set on silent the whole time. Right. And I've also recently turned off vibrate. So I just don't get any idea that, that someone sent me a message or anything that's happened unless I physically check it. And that was something interesting that Helen brought up because she's kind of taken it one step further than me as well. I actually don't have notifications turned on my phone ever. Like, I feel really weird now explaining all of this stuff because I'm like, oh my God, I work in tech. This is absurd. Who lives like this? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's maybe as absurd as, uh, as Helen might think. Um, I think it's good to be able to choose when you want to get involved. Yeah, what I found interesting from chatting to Helen and from interactions in the past has been that she's quite 
self-driven so she doesn't just follow the crowd and i think this is again one of those things that you could say okay it's weird because most people don't do it most people are tethered to their phone like notification junkies and she's decided not to to do that and i think that's a really good choice um it's not for everyone but i feel like the there's a real benefit to disconnecting and being in control so you can decide when you want to check on stuff rather than it deciding for you so the theme of boundaries kind of ran through the conversations we had we put out a tweet earlier in the week asking people about burnout and cat noon responded and she shared the story of how she was burnt out and after working 19 hour days she just totally collapsed in bed and crazy yeah wiped out and she said now she has a lot more boundaries in place. And so now she's got a family. And so she spends time with her partner in the evenings. And obviously during the day, she has more limited time. So an interesting point that came out of Kat having limited time was that her productivity increased as a result. So with that limited time, she can get more done. And she said that was something that really helped subside her fears. Similarly, Martin shared about the importance of looking after yourself. I start by identifying the things that are important, eat, sleep, exercise, uh, spending time with friends, uh, reading a nice book, watching a movie. And around those times, I plan my work instead of the other way around. In that work time, I do get days that I spend 10 or 12 hours working. And I'm very happy to do that because the taking care of Martin Pitt is taken care of. Yeah, I think I think he's got a good point there. Mm. And it's uh, it's a balance that I don't think that, that we've really hit yet. Yeah. And... I think maybe that might have something to do with the fact that we're both working full-time jobs as well. Yeah. And that maybe when we take the the next step and, and go full-time on our own stuff, yeah, that making that extra time for ourselves would be easier. I think it's definitely something that's easier when you are full-time because you can you can be productive in a short amount of time and squeeze that into the main part of your day and then you can relax around that. But obviously once you've already got the time limitation of your day job and i think a lot of people that are listening to this will have that limitation they'll they'll hear the advice here and they'll think okay how do i apply that to me but it's interesting because like helen has a day job as well and she fits stuff around that i think for us it's just a case of okay how can we get better at this how can we work out how much we should rest because i know that i really enjoy what we do and i kind of see it as rest sometimes it's a hobby for me and I would be doing this sort of thing even if it wasn't with the intention to start a business. I enjoy coding, I enjoy creating products and stuff. So Yeah, definitely. So when you're trying to start a business on the side and it's also something that you kind of see as a hobby, it's weird to know where you draw the line because if I'm working until 10pm, I don't feel like I've been working in the sense that I had to do this piece of work. Quite often I'm enjoying making progress on where we're trying to go, but... At the same time, it's important that we have time away and that we do take that time. And I don't know if we do take that time enough. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's difficult to strike that balance because if you really enjoy doing something, then it doesn't feel like work at all. Yeah. It feels like fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's people listening that, that can relate to that. So, yeah, making yourself not have fun yeah, right. <laughs> isn't something that, that you typically want to do, but it is something that I think... Maybe we do need to force ourselves to do more of and just take a break. Yeah. I think it's the important thing is a change of circumstances every now and then. If you're always doing the same thing, your brain can get tired. But 
if you can mix it up a little bit, you can get the benefit of a bit of rest there. Yeah, and I think rest is key. And I think taking it back to something that we spoke about earlier as well, about kind of health and kind of fitness and, and eating the right stuff as well. That was something that Helen spoke about as well. I got my fitness under control. I'm fairly active now, but I was a huge couch potato. But uh, now I, I lift three times a week. I'm very active. I go to yoga, you know, all that stuff. People underestimate how much health and nutrition completely revitalizes your energy levels. So a little while back, I got a Fitbit. And I'm, I've been trying to increase the amount of walking that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm now in my 11th back-to-back week of hitting my daily goal every day of the week. And I think that's helped me in the burnout, right? Because it's given me a a point in my life which I won't cave in on. Mm. That was a fixed thing. I was going to do my 10,000 steps every day regardless. And I think that helped. It's strange because it's kind of like I'm thinking about it now and I'm thinking, yeah, that doesn't seem like it would help because it's like you're just adding more pressure to yourself. Right. But it it did help because I, I think it helped because... It was something I was able to control. Yeah. And it was something I was able to achieve. Yeah. And I think those little wins help. Very interesting because the book I'm listening to at the moment, which is Smarter, Faster, Better, starts off about motivation and says that to be motivated, you need to have an element of control. Mm. And to to have control, you need to make decisions. So um, that fits in quite well. Yeah. I found it interesting you doing the, the walking pretty much every night to meet your goal um because we often have our chats walking now yeah and it's brought a different dynamic to what we do we used to have it on skype um or face to face just sitting down mm. um and i found it different walking because i found there's more perspective involved i found that when you're out walking it's easier you've got like fresh air um change of scenery and yeah it, i found that it helps and i've read People say that before, like Steve Jobs, when he used to negotiate with people, yeah, he'd go to their offices and say, let's go for a walk. Yeah. And it's interesting, just, yeah, I found that even though I'm not necessarily doing it for the fitness so much, it's made a lot more sense than sitting inside and tapping on Skype. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a double thing, so it's like a, a, a physical health and a mental health type thing. Yeah. And I think on top of kind of like exercising and eating right, is also getting enough sleep. Sleep is so important. All these people saying that, you know, I get by on five hours. It's very nice, but you're eating away at your future health and you're setting yourself up for burnout because the mind as well as the body needs recovery time. So this is an interesting one because, Mike, you don't sleep that much? Um, y- yeah, kind of. So you track your sleep on your Fitbit, right? So I do, yeah. What, what sort of sleep do you average per night? Um, on a weekday... When I'm going to work, I will average somewhere between five and six and a half hours. Right. And then on a weekend, it normally goes up to between seven and nine. So this is interesting because I'm someone who can sleep quite well and easily. So I could easily sleep for 10 hours if I didn't have to get up in the morning. Whereas you sometimes find it a little bit harder to get to sleep and to have enough sleep. And... It's almost like you kind of run on a constant sleep deficit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes falling asleep is sometimes difficult for us. Um, but I also find that if I wake up 
because my body clock is set to a certain time, then going back to sleep after that, I don't really gain much. I'm still as tired when I wake up after that. So if, you know, my, my body clock is, is tuned to somewhere between seven and eight o'clock. Right. Kind of almost ignoring what time I go to sleep. So if I go to sleep at nine o'clock at night, I'll still wake up at seven. Mm. If I go to sleep at two o'clock in the morning, I will still wake up at seven. Yeah. And then once I've woken up, I've kind of come out of that kind of like deep REM sleep, that, you know, that really resting sleep. Yeah. And then when I go back to sleep, I won't really fall back into the same kind of resting sleep. And I'll feel as tired. If I, you know, if I slept another two or three hours, I'll feel as tired when I wake up after those two or three hours. I don't seem to gain any more rest. Um, so often I just will either doze just for a little bit and then get up and go and try and do something productive. Yeah, it's interesting because if you are someone that struggles to sleep, just the advice of, okay, sleep more isn't always that useful. But at the same time, both Martin and Helen come up with a point that they actually take naps during the day and that's been helpful to them as well. I rest a lot. When I need to, I take a little nap. I crash for 20 minutes. I may sleep or I may not, but that is extremely restorative. And then personal stuff, when I'm tired, I just go to sleep. I don't care if I'm at work. I don't care if I'm at a friend's house. I'll beg 20 minutes. Please excuse me. I really have to go for 20 minutes and just take a nap. So I've taken a couple of naps at Shopify and I wake up in 20 minutes and I feel super great after. So when I was chatting to Helen, I asked her, how uh, she took naps at Shopify because I think taking naps at work is interesting I don't think most people do that and uh, she just said she went up on the roof and wrapped herself in some towels and and jumpers and stuff and just had a 20 minute nap and just did it yeah I think I'd I'd be worried to sleep at work like I might wake up and my uh my my colleagues would have drawn on my face or something yeah fear of the colleagues yeah number one issue with sleeping at work so one of the final points that Martin and Helen both raised is that we can't do everything that often as entrepreneurs that want to to start startups that want to run big businesses we have a lot of ambition but we need to bring that ambition back under control burnout is often caused by task lists that just won't get shorter things keep getting added on as you tick things off you get subdivision of tasks that are there and the fucker just doesn't get any smaller this feeling of overwhelm is very destructive. Warren Buffett says, make a list of all the tasks that you need to do, pick the most important one and throw away the list. I really like that quote. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard that before. No, I mean, uh, but I, I love that. Um, I think I'm going to try that at work tomorrow. Yeah. We'll see how my manager goes with that. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, similarly, Helen had this to say about it. You know, most things don't really have to be done. (laughs) I think entrepreneurs are really good at coming up with a list of things that they have to do. um, And they just kind of get themselves worked up over it in bed or, you know, when they wake up in the morning. I really have to get back to this person. It's like, do you really? What's going to happen if you don't? Like, work through it. Like, just spend two seconds uh, thinking about this task. Like, what would actually happen if I didn't do this? I think that's a good point that it's worth thinking of the worst case scenario. And that's actually something I heard recently from DHH, Daniel Heinemeiner Hansen, who created Ruby on Rails and Basecamp, uh, co-founder of Basecamp. And he was saying how he pictures the worst case scenario and gets himself like into a place where he's okay with that and then carries on and moves forwards because he says if he can prepare himself and say, okay, this is what the worst case scenario is, this is the worst that could happen, 
then he can move forwards and that's no longer an issue. He's no longer worried, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And similar to with Helen there, really, in terms of, okay, what's the worst that could happen? And once you know that, you can proceed forwards and think about what you want to do. Yeah, I think it is important to not take on too much. And I think that maybe it can be difficult when you're working for yourself to know where those limits are and you fall into the trap of just trying to give 100% all the time. And maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. And Martin mentioned something about this when we were talking to him. It's very interesting. I was listening to an interview with a psychologist called Peter Shellard the other day. Uh, He's the shrink for entrepreneurs. And he was talking about one of his super successful clients, a multi-billionaire or something like that, one of the the really high achievers. And he asked him, how has your day been today? How was work? And the guy said, pretty good, 70% day. So for people who really perform very well, they don't go all out all the time. They aim for a baseline performance level, which may be at 60 or 70 or 80%, and they keep hitting that target. The problem is that if you target of achieving 120% every day, you will burn yourself out sooner or later. I think that maybe sometimes people focus on the short term a little bit too much, and they're, they're kind of racing to try and achieve their goals as quick as possible. And Martin sums this up quite well. Is work and life and business a sprint or a marathon? People, do you know who can sprint a marathon all the way to the end? Nobody can because you die. You start pissing blood before you get even halfway. When I hear that quote from Martin, it reminds me of Six by Six and the moment when you came to me and said, hey, let's not try and start a startup. We're really bad at doing that. Let's just try and ship some stuff. And I remember you saying, we're going to spend six months just doing that and my immediate thought was a bit mathematical was kind of the way I think I was like okay it was six months say I live like 70 years like that's that's a decent percentage of my life that's like a, a fair amount yeah and I was like well do I want to commit that much time to that because my goal wasn't to ship side projects it was to start a business yeah and it's kind of easy to think well that's that's a long time for me to to allocate to a goal that isn't my primary goal. It's only a stepping stone. Mm. And I wanted to run ahead and to move straight towards the end goal, but we we weren't able to do that. We weren't ready for that. Yeah, I think it's it's very tempting to just aim straight for the finish line. Yeah. Without, you know, first doing your stretches and and, you know, your training and things like that beforehand. Yeah. It's like the couch to five K, right? They take you through steps and every day you do more and you go further. And I think that's true. If you hear entrepreneurs' stories, people don't just start out and make the next big thing. Even Mark Zuckerberg had made multiple things before he made Facebook. He was really young when he made Facebook, but that wasn't the first thing he made. And I think it's important to understand that it is a marathon. You don't have to make it big with the first thing you do. It doesn't have to achieve all your goals in the next month, in the next six months, in the next year. I recently read like Justin Jackson's been doing his stuff for a long time now. Mm. And only now is he full time on that. He's put in a lot of effort over, I think it was like, I think he's been doing his podcasting for like four years. Yeah. And his newsletter, I think was from 2008. That's a long time. It is a long time. It's a lot of investment. And only now is he really starting to see the reward that he was hoping for, which is to be self-employed to be self-sufficient yeah it just yeah definitely goes to show that it is definitely a marathon yeah and if you go too fast too quickly that's when burnout strikes yeah so i think to to round everything off the points that we've gone over is 
you know, in order to avoid burnouts, you need to kind of set boundaries. You need to make sure that you know when you're going to do things and when you're going to set aside time for yourself. Don't try and be superhuman. It's just not feasible to go at 100% the whole time. You need time to rest. And taking that time off, you can make you more productive. Yeah, similar to what we shared in episode two about that those limited constraints can actually increase your productivity. The other thing that we kind of have noticed from the interviews and the feedback we've got is that looking after ourselves is is a priority. And that includes health, fitness, that includes sleep. And when we set those habits in place, they're like cornerstone habits that enable everything else to work and to function as it should. So you want to say thanks to everyone who's helped out with this episode and given us some feedback. There's been quite a few people on Twitter that have given us their thoughts. And in particular, I want to say thanks to Helen and Martin for jumping on a call with us and chatting through their experiences. So if you want to hear more from them, then you can catch up with Helen on Twitter at at Tran Helen. And she has a mailing list that she emails out to weekly. So she writes weekly and I really find her writing interesting. So you should go and check her out. And Martin is also on Twitter. He's at Martin Stella and he's even crazier. So he sends out a daily email for creatives. So if you're interested in that, you can find out more about that if you head to his Twitter account. Yeah, and you can find links to everyone's Twitter and things like that in the show notes, which you can find at hitreply.co forward slash three. And if you want to keep up to date with what we're up to, then you can go to hitreply.co slash subscribe and you can sign up to our mailing list where we send out a weekly email with a blog post that we've written talking about what we're doing that week and also a link to the podcast episode. Or alternatively, you can subscribe to the podcast episodes on lots of different services now. If there's one that we're not on, then reach out, let us know and we'll make sure we get onto it. And we'll be submitting the podcast to iTunes next week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, so I think that's it for today's episode. It's been a bit different and tried something new. So we'd love to hear what you thought. Um, Have you ever experienced burnout? What was it like? How did you deal with it? We'd love to hear from you. Just hit reply and let us know.